Welcome to Seishura, the Music Explorers podcast. I'm Jim Jam. I am Scoob McCoo. And uh, critics. We are them. And that can be a problem sometimes. <laughs> I was thinking we were going to be like, love them, hate them, mostly hate them. <laughs> Celebrities, but... they're just like us. Um, <laughs> so, um, this, how do you even start with this? Um, this is a thought, it's kind of a topic uh, that I've wanted to do for a while, but, uh, you know, you know how it happens with, um, with ideas that sometimes you just plain forget about them and Mm -hmm. they don't pop up until much later. And this happens to coincide with another episode that we're doing next week that we're not talking about. It's super secret. Uh, you have to sign an NDA and everything. Uh, don't, don't test us on this, but, um, so in relation to that episode, and I think by the end of this episode, you should probably get a good idea of what next episode is going to be like. But nonetheless, this episode is about uh, what I call the critics conundrum. Uh, and it's basically the idea that uh, a lot of people who are regarded as critics of art uh, often do not actually make art themselves within the like the medium that they are you know critiquing uh, and to be clear at first you know this is not always true like this doesn't apply to everybody this isn't like some blanket rule um you know there are a lot of very famous critics who are musicians or were musicians lester bangs is one of the first that comes to my mind uh, but even Kyle Gann from uh, The Village Voice is a well-known composer in his own right. Um, but there are other people, you know, and I, I think I almost want to kind of move this almost like to include all mediums of art because I, I think it, it's it, it, it's an interesting topic uh, no matter what medium you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've personally found it the most um kind of maybe not hypocritical but definitely perplexing when it comes to uh like literature uh but we're just but we'll, we'll get into that when it uh when the conversation kind of brings us to that direction so um scott you know going into this what were you what's on your mind with this <laughs> uh it's actually funny because right around the time you suggested this, and I started thinking about it. One of my f- friends posted something from uh, Jerry Saltz, who I had to look up. I didn't know who he was. Um, he might be offended, given his background, because he is a senior art critic columnist for New York Magazine. He was formerly a senior art critic for The Village Voice. Uh, he received the Pulitzer Prize for Criticism in 2018. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, me neither. Uh, <laughs> so... And I bring up Mr. Saltz because he tweeted in the year of our Lord, 2021, January 25th. So this isn't like a you know obscure old take. This is brand spanking new. A good critic always puts more into writing about artwork than the artist put into making it. The artist only creates. The critic must plumb that creation and also write creatively enough to deliver the full volume of the art while also creating a thing of beauty and clarity itself. So I will just say I think Mr. Salt is wrong. <laughs> yeah. But I think whenever we approach a conversation like this, I feel like these are the kinds of types of people that instantly pop into your mind when you think of a professional critic. Oh yeah. Like when you think of, like this is what people think of. They think of um, you know, pretentious asshole sitting in his ivory tower who thinks that what he's writing about, what he has to say about art um is utterly, you know, utmost importance. And in some in some ways, at one point, um, it kind of was in, in in terms of the effect. You know, what a critic wrote about an artist back before you know, kind of the wall was broken down with streaming and you know, democratized access to music. Um, there was some truth to that. That whatever they said, I mean, whether or not like I think it's act- still true. You know, but but it's probably definitely the its power has been significantly yeah, less. I mean, to a much le- sure to a much lesser extent. I mean, back in the day when people 
relied on critics when critics did I, inherently have a lot more power. I, 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 I'm just thinking of like, you know, whenever like Fantano like shits on an album, that album gets like significantly worse ratings. You he know, has an interesting, yeah, he does have an interesting following yeah. in a way that people, um, like, it's always boggled my mind. Um, like, I remember when I, I used to be a lot more into following him. Like, I was looking forward to his, when he published the Yeezus review, just because I was curious what he had to say. But I already formed my opinion about it. Like, there, there are some people who it seems like they're waiting to see, and there have been, me- I've seen memes to this effect, where it's like, like, slash MU waiting for Fantana to post a review so they know how to feel about an album. <laughs> um, and it's just, it's interesting how with some critics you, you kind of read them religiously or you follow them religiously. I mean, that was definitely how I, I felt about Fantana when I was first getting into music, when I felt about Pitchfork, just because I trusted their curation when I was pretty new to that kind of musical sphere. Um, I, But I, I guess it, it really... It's kind of when I go back to, you know, the the school jock or the popular kid. Like, w- what you think about him as a person, you know, it's a metaphor I've used a million times, uh, is how, how funny you think his jokes are. Like, whether do you think he's hilarious or do you think he's an asshole? And I feel like that goes a lot into music criticism and how I approach critics. You know, I, I, I just like reading about music. I like reading what people have to think about music. I mean, it's one of my, one of my favorite things in the world. Um, but I know it's just a person's opinion and actually i think at one point fantano had a video literally titled that like if fantano is just a regular guy um, i think no that, he's a melon <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think the, the the point for me is finding um finding someone whose opinion you trust and enjoy reading or at least this is how i approach criticism and using that as a barometer but not treating it as the end-all be-all i mean there are times even when I, I did hold Fantano's, you know, I, I was much more of a follower, follower than Neil Drop. But mm-hmm. I would disagree with him. Like, I, I didn't hold it as gospel. Uh, I think the other side of the coin and kind of why critics get a bad rap is because they hold their own, you know, their own writings as gospel, just like Mr. Jerry Saltz here. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess um, sort of the question, the, the biggest question on my mind with this conversation is is kind of like, how can somebody talk about something that they have no personal experience with, I guess? You know, yeah. and it's, I'm not going to say that there's an answer to this or that either, like, you know, either side here was necessarily bad. Um, and I'm also kind of want to bring up kind of our own uh, situation here because uh, we are very much critics in in a in, in a very real sense in in like in the context of this show. So uh, it's just you know something I I think about a lot. Yeah, it's I don't have a good answer for that because in in some well I mean obviously I do because otherwise we wouldn't be talking about it. Yeah. But like or rather I guess what I meant is that. I think it's a more complicated question than I even would, would want to give it. I mean, yeah, because... it's 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 not it's not something that we can just you know uh, it, it, it's it's not an FAQ. Like, you know, yeah, th- th- this is stuff that you could you know write a book about if if you were so inclined. Because I I feel like I mean I'm not a very good cook, but like when I eat a meal I don't like. You know, I feel like I'm, I'm allowed to have that opinion. I mean, I don't have a food column, but I feel like that's with anything. Is, is we have, um, we have our, our senses of what we think is good and bad, art, design, music, writing, film, um, and on the flip side, there are some. I mean, I don't obviously don't want any names. There are some musicians I know who, like really good, talented musicians who, when I hear them talk or write about music or the type of music they listen to. Uh, I would not consider it good. Yeah. You know, either the way they talk about it or the way they. I think there's different talents that we have, and, and just because you don't play music, I, uh, doesn't mean you can't write about it. But, so I, but I think per, perhaps yeah. maybe it's worth looking at this with like um, sort of a different lens. Like let let's say that you know, um, you know, would you would you consider someone who vaguely knows CPR? to be you know more you know to be just as informed 
and capable of saving your life as an EMT. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, uh, obviously the the the, the scenarios are, are very different, you know, but we, we're, we're talking about life or death situation here as a, compared to music. But I, I but, but my point is more just that there is sort of a, um, there's a sort of knowledge, you know, in, like, there's knowledge to be gained in watching something and experiencing it, but there's another type of knowledge that's, you know, comes from doing it and like you know if you want to get spiritual for a second like that's kind of what buddhism is all about is like you know that sort of this intuitive knowledge that you can only be your own teacher almost and that like um sort of enlightenment only comes to you you know through your own means in a way and even now i'm kind of butchering it um if, if that makes any sense. To, yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's... It's a, a subtle difference, but I think an important difference between... Uh, I would say musicians... Pro- most musicians that are, you know, on the same talent level as a critics that are generally well-regarded, they probably understand music better than critics because obviously they, they live it, they breathe it, they produce it. But I think the... The difference being, you know, the ability to convey or the ability ability to describe music. Um, mm. You know, I mean, I mean, sometimes we, we look at when an artist is is asked by their label or PR to describe their album, and what they come out with is is not, <laughs> yeah. not not incredibly helpful. Not not saying it's poorly written, but just they they approach it. I mean, first of all, it's hard to be objective about something you put so much effort into. It's why I mean, I don't really, I don't necessarily. Or rather, I understand when artists get really hurt when people shit on their album. I mean, yeah, I, I yeah. would say that if, if you put yourself out there, it kind of is inevitable, but I understand why it's, it sucks that, you know, <laughs> someone is shitting on your music that you put so much effort into. Um, yeah, I. But, but like, where, where was I going to be with that? Um, I don't know. <laughs> you were saying? Well, just to cap off, when you, when you read, like, the way that they're talking about their music, sometimes it's not. And I guess there's a flip it around. It's what are people looking for in a review? Some of the mm. writings that I've, I've read from artists about their album, I would find very unhelpful as a review. It's very spiritual. Um, you know, I, I, they're like very, which is nothing wrong with that. But I think what what do you want oh, out of the? Th- that's actually what I was going to say. Is that I I think I, like you ever wonder whether sort of artists trying to describe their own music is more of an act of like redundancy because the music itself is supposed to put forward the message in a way yeah like, no i i think that's a good point yeah i i mean i i just i always think about that whenever somebody like I, I i read about an artist trying to describe their album and i just don't get what they're saying at all and i think it's because this is not where their talent lies in a way and like or maybe perhaps that you know their best tool of communication is their music like similar to how like how I'm talking right now, uh, this is often a garbled mess. <laughs> but but you know if you ask me to write something down, uh, I can more concisely put it you know out. So, in case in point, <laughs> put it out. Go ahead. No, no, I was done. Yeah, it's. It, it's not something that has a clear rebuttal because yeah. I, I, I do think, I mean, there are people I know who are able to, who are musicians who are able to review well and write well. Uh, I think of uh, Ahmed on the, on Heavy Blog, who is, is a really, really talented guitarist. And I, I love his posts where he either talks about, maybe he'll review tech death or he'll talk about um, kind of the inner workings of music theory and whatnot. I mean, yeah. it's, it's definitely, it's not, it's not mutually exclusive that either you can write about music or you can write well, yeah, no, it's, play it's, music. It's definitely not like they, there are people who you know I you know I, I'm thinking more of like in a literary perspective who are able to bring insight to certain works you know that I wouldn't normally think about. Like um, I recently finished this. Uh, it's a collection of uh, they're called guzzles, which it's a uh, ancient Persian uh, form of poetry, 
and uh, the editor of this uh, was, you know, very instructive in sort of showing uh, the history of the form and sort of his own, um, I, I guess, uh, predilections regarding it, you know, in sort of his, his own uh, pet peeves with uh, modern poets using it and sort of, uh, you know, sort of bringing a lot of this discourse around it to life. And, you know, it was it was really cool to read about this and it was very informative. So, you know, I, and I, I do think he actually writes uh, guzzles as well. So, you know, it's not it's not like he's coming at this from from a completely um, like analytical uh, academic perspective. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, and it, it's also a cultural one for him. But, um, you know, all this is, is that there's like. I'm not going to disagree that there aren't good critics out there because I mean I just like Kyle Gan from Village Voice is is just you know incredibly thoughtful whenever I've read his stuff you know he's I've read just random web pages of him trying to explain like the harmonic series and things like that and it's super interesting he has a bunch of books out about experimental music and it all look just looks so cool like to read um, mm-hmm. you know it, it so it's it, it's not that you're I don't know. It's not that critics are incapable of of describing something. It's just it, it, there's definitely a kind of paradox um, at work when you're trying to describe something, you know, and trying to um, you know critique something that you don't have a personal stake in, or at least the personal stake you have in it is as one who experiences rather than one who does um like i'm reminded of the um there's that that old phrase it's uh those those who don't do teach uh but but in this case it's uh those who don't do critique uh which i I frankly disagree with the teaching that that you know the the original sort of quote but um that's as as if teaching is such a such an easy task yeah uh, oh which, my god which is, I, ironic I, just so. from experience i i've had i you know i've met writers who are amazing writers horrible teachers <laughs> so yeah, you know and, and i guess to, to, to make it topical there's there's no shortage of, of parents right now who are certainly you know with their kids working or school remotely yeah are appreciating teachers yes um, absolutely I, I think maybe there's some Value. I mean, I think the, the a pretty significant portion. I mean, it depends on the artist, depends on the genre. Pretty significant portion of people who uh, listen to music might not be able to achieve the same level of, or might not be able to play at the same level as the artist they're listening to, if at all. So, reading a review from someone who is coming from the same place they are. I mean, there there might be some value in that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, again, this is we're talking about different approaches to what music reviews are. I mean, yeah, personally, I, I, I review or I view music reviews as kind of a, just a form of entertainment, uh, a form of dialogue. I mean, I view it kind of as an extension of, of we do what we do all the time. Just talk about music, talk about our opinions. Um, I mean, there have been instances where reading a positive review for an album I didn't like or a negative review for an album I did. It gives me perspective that informs my opinion either way. Yeah, I, I mean, case in point, uh, we were texting the other day about the new Mad Lib album, um, and sort of, you know, you brought up some interesting points, sort of about its creation that I wasn't fully aware of, um, and you know, it was, you know, just like see, I, I'm I'm very much on board with like that type of casual. Uh, talking about music, I, I guess I, where, where I tend, where my biases tend to show up is more in sort of the, um, uh, I, I, I guess, like, position of power that a critic seems to wield at times and kind of the overall nature of a review, you know, just a, or a normal review that, you know, it's either good or bad. You know, whereas, you know, most things in this world, arguably, uh, don't fall into something that black and white. It's often a very, very distinct shade of gray that we don't, you know, it, 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 it's a lot more vague than we think. And I think, you know, often to, you know, say, oh, this album is bad is to kind of dismiss it 
and kind of uh, dismiss any merit it might have, however small. Uh, it, but but that's you know this isn't exactly the topic of conversation. But like you know I it's I I definitely want to point out sort of my own issues with uh, criticism j just because you know it's something I I notice a lot and it's something that like I think about a lot when we do this podcast because like I I just like it it gets really frustrating sometimes thinking about like oh you know does this album suck why do we have to think about it like this almost and it's like why can't we just talk about it etc cetera, etc cetera. but then it's like how do you how do you restructure a podcast to not have an opinion almost <laughs> I know I I think that's that's kind of the I mean that's how everything breaks down if if you think of any anything people enjoy you know sports food media art I mean there, there's some kind of discourse surrounding it and yeah. I, I think you know, ultimately there's some um I I, I some guess positive... I guess the point is just like is the should the discourse have the amount of power that it has like you know a lot of people are going to go and say that like if you ever watched the movie Vanilla Sky no I've never okay so uh I, but my favorite joke involving Vanilla Sky is um, from Family Guy, where um, I, I think Lois says to Brian to rent a bad movie, and he says, okay, I'll rent Vanilla Sky. Oh. And, it, and she's like, yes. no, I, I said a bad movie, not an abortion, basically. I know. I remember yeah. Funny. And like, uh. I, I actually really like that movie, uh, to be totally fair. Uh, and it's, I, I'm not saying that it, it doesn't have its issues. It's just that, like, I think to, you know, say, oh, this is garbage, et cetera, it, it, it's more just like the power of that, that people are just like, okay, I won't bother with it then, even if it might be something, even though they, there could be a gem of something good in it. So. It, it is interesting how art can solicit such insanely different reactions from yeah. people. I, I think... Um, Recently, I bought it just because it was. I was buying other stuff, and it was relatively well priced. And I, I wanted my collection because it's a big release. Uh, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, and uh, I, Kanye always comes up, and I don't. I don't understand how. Can we, like, like, like you know how like radio shows will like have like these sound effects that they that they put in. Can we have yeah. like a Kanye counter? I know we really <laughs> should. Like over the course, we just go back and listen to the course of. Uh, um, in you know, the course of time. Uh, I will say that I, I bought another album. It's my album of the week that I'm excited to talk about. I'm excited to talk about this band. So stay tuned. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, I have, I am very middling on Connie and this album in particular. I feel like it's not as bad or good as people make it out to be, but there are people who are all over the map. I've seen people, you know, who have said it's easily the top five hip hop album of all time. I don't agree with that at all. I've seen other people say, you know, Kanye is trash and everything he does is trash. I also don't agree with that, <laughs> and it's crazy how like the same album, and it's it, I mean it's partially because Kanye is so divisive, mm. um, but it also reminds me of one of my favorite reviews of all time uh, is is actually kind of a bad review. Uh, it's on Sputnik. Uh, Sputnik is a very interesting site just because there's a, like a it's not like great music. Where I don't really think there's a, a rate your music community it, necessarily. Is, is this the protest the hero objective? It review? absolutely is yeah. the protest the hero volition review because <laughs> um, there was you know there, there's definitely a core group of people and Sputnik like a core community that talk and like the same people will come up and like have different opinions about albums. It's a really interesting site if you've ever heard mm. about it. Um, they, and, they're all they're, they're like really nice though. Like, yeah. like, or at least like they, they have a lot of respect for each other's opinions even if it's drenched in sarcasm Ex yeah exactly um, but there was I think if I remember correctly because I remember reading this like in real time when this happened um, I think someone reviewed the new Protest the Hero album while admitting that they weren't a big fan of Protest the Hero and someone said that like it's not like it's not an objective review because like they're you know they have a predisposition to not like protest the hero then of course there was a debate about well how can you know art subjective how can you be objective whatever so someone wrote a completely objective review of volition and when you read that you're like oh here we go but he literally just described i think like 
he said like track one is called this and it's this long track two is called this and it's this long <laughs> there are like 10 other tracks with different names and and lengths and like just completely just very by the numbers and it was hilarious because then at the end he talks about like um the cover and he's like there's a bunch of birds surrounding a woman it's unclear what the bird is doing but I guess we'll never know. Or like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm cleaning over a little bit. It was just, it's really funny. It was like a total, just like, like a news reporter reporting like about this album. And it was really funny, but I mean, it was, it's a bad review because it kind of was poking fun at, you know, the idea of you can have an objective review and it, it pointed to the fact that what makes a review interesting to read is that it's an opinion that either is in line with yours or, helps you know helps kind of challenge your opinion or do you think it's total bullshit or you think it's just fun to read because of the way that they write so i get what you're, you're saying totally that like a, a negative review that absolutely just trashes an album especially when it's coming from someone like your rolling stone or pitchfork that does still have cachet in their their circles um it, that's it, it can be responsible depending on how the review is written if it's literally just been as a shit post that's not cool um, but I think it's impossible to have a valuable review without, you know, the chance yeah. that some, you know, some will be negative. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I, I, it's definitely like a, a contentious argument in my own mind. Even um, it's something I constantly kind of flip back and forth on, um, and I think it's just I, I, I think this kind of conversation is, you know, sort of answering a question that. I sort of had as part of a, uh, I think, a sub-discussion of this topic, and that's just sort of the value of a critic, uh, even regardless of today's music industry. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting to sort of look at it like that, because, I, I mean, I'm always so used to, you know, I, I mean, just personally, I, I write fiction, you know, I went to grad school to study, you know, to to write fiction better, basically, which doesn't doesn't make much sense when you really think about it like that. Um, but, you know, it and just before I was in grad school, um, when I was doing my undergraduate degree, I um, it was something that was always on my mind was having these professors who, I, you know, admittedly, I was I, I really loved uh the professors i had in college i thought they were all really nice and really smart and always willing to discuss something you know but nonetheless they were people who had never really written fiction and yet were you know analyzing it and you know discussing it and sort of um making a career out of you know kind of piggybacking off of it mm -hmm. and that just never sat right with me and I, you know, and I think what's what's cool about this conversation that we're having right now is that we're sort of, I, I mean, I, 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 it, I think it's really cool to be able to see that other side, you know, like, like you're here to kind of bring some sanity to me in a way, because mm -hmm. like, you know, I've never really thought about that because like, usually like, I mean, especially when it comes to literary criticism, I tend to just throw it out, honestly. Like, I've tried it. I've tried to read it so often. I can't stand it. I, I, I think it just ruins the story. It ruins all the fun in fiction for me. And I think that's kind of the, the, the same for, I think, music criticism as well, personally. Uh, but, you know, that, that that's more me than it should be for everybody else. Uh, but all this being said, I, I think that, you know... Given what you said, I mean, I have to agree that there is a value in what these people are doing. And I think that these people who were doing it, you know, a lot of them have a ton of talent, regardless of their experience with their medium or not. So, yeah, I think interesting. I mean, this is somewhat of just an offshoot of what you were saying. Yeah. Um, it's kind of interesting that uh, literary criticism is... Like, if you're reviewing an album, it's not like you compose a song to review it. Or it's not like you, if you're reviewing a piece of art, you, you create art, art, you paint something to review it. Uh, it's interesting how when you're reviewing how someone writes, uh, in a way, you can be judged. You can be, you'll probably even be judged more closely on how you're, you're writing. And I know, I know it's not apples to apples. Like, music review is not the same, or uh, book review is not the same as writing fiction. Um, but it's an interesting form of criticism is that the actual medium 
you're reviewing is also in a way the medium you know like the quality of writing kind of carries a bit more weight not not that you know poorly written reviews a poorly written review um but Could, i think also it's kind of a, a re- reviewception if you will yeah exactly yeah. it's like, like well then you can say well how, who are you to tell me i can't write your writing sucks or something like that i don't know but uh i definitely think uh m- narrative based reviews have their own challenges um I watched this specific YouTuber who reviews movies. His name is Chris Stuckman. I really enjoy his stuff. I like his personality. I like his, you know, the way he talks about movies. It's definitely helped me appreciate. I've been trying slowly over the years to appreciate movies more. Um, and he does a good job of, of giving a really good heads up when, you know, he's going to talk about spoilers or he'll do like a separate, if it's a big enough re- release, he'll do a spoiler specific video because that that's, there's nothing worse than when someone ruins Mm. Than I mean, because that, that's the like you can't really ruin a surprise on an album. I don't think, or like there are very few instances where I think maybe if you review ruin a guest feature, but I feel like that's not like we have so much information pre-release that that's kind of hard to not know someone's on a track or something like that. Um, like it, I, I it, it is definitely a narrative thing, though. <laughs> now that you're bringing it up, like it's it's uh, or. Yeah, it's it's like always related to that because you know I was gonna say like oh what what if somebody like spoiled that like oh the you know uh fucking dude from um oh god I I can't even remember the the band now uh the fucking British boy band um a One the, Direction but, yeah the, the one of the One Direction guys was in Game of Thrones and like like you know like I I wouldn't that be a spoiler in a way but because it, it's like related to the plot technically yeah. i don't know it's it, it, it's interesting it's just interesting and it might it be that the reason that definitely literary reviews can be a little bit film critics can be a little up their own ass is because since they can't or i would argue they should, i know people have different views about spoilers but i think it's better to earn the side of caution and not yeah. spoil something for people so because they can't talk about certain elements of a movie that make it um you know that make it what it is or why you want to watch it they have to kind of get up their own ass to talk about the larger themes and like this is why this is actually talking about you know the issue of you know the underlying opioid crisis in america and they have to kind of like dig deep about what something means like it brings you back to english class when you know yeah. if you define or like remember that south park episode where what is it the tale of scrody mcbooger ball oh yeah <laughs> that's one of my favorite, one of my favorite that is honestly how i view modern literary academia oh <laughs> i haven't i haven't thought about that in forever and i'm so glad it just popped into my head yeah the tale of scrody mcbooger <laughs> and he barfed his own eyes out until he pooped <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, any line gosh. from that. I that's something I like. I I've actually written stories on that on like, it, like people who have. It's kind of like metafiction. Just like a writer writes a story that is complete gibberish, and it ends up winning like the Pulitzer Prize and being reviewed as like the greatest piece of fiction since like the sun also rises. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> That's, that's also interesting is that how so many um, like I'm actually curious if, if I'll prove myself right just by saying this but I actually really like I enjoy Hemingway um, I, I don't his... really think I've ever given Hemingway a fair shot so oh, I can't okay. really say it but 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 I, I'm just thinking of like some like you know untouchable writer which yeah. I, I think Hemingway is like up there you know uh, Steinbeck is up there Wait, but I, just, I always think it's interesting when people yeah. have like part of being a critic is like having a stance or like being a cultured person is having a stance on this like like please tell me are you pro or against are you like pro or anti Hemingway yeah like where do you where do you stand on Hemingway <laughs> like I feel like that's something you've heard you've heard well not that not recently that's something you hear at a cocktail party it's like, like I, I, I feel like it's probably more relevant now because I think more people are willing to kind of call out Hemingway for being sexist. But um, he was a complicated man. Yes, sure. <laughs> as yeah. as many famous folks. Were, yes, as just people are, arguably. Yeah, exactly. But um, exactly. yeah, no, it's yeah. I I, I just you know to, to to kind of 
go back uh, to our original topic in a way. It, I, I've just found it odd that there are, like, because I, I think specifically it's literary academia that, that kind of, you know, uh, ruffles my feathers a little bit. Because, mm-hmm. like, we, we have these people who are, like, in, like, tenure track programs who are, like, guaranteed a job for life, you know, and are, like, these esteemed, well-regarded individuals who have done nothing but bring their own opinion about a book and basically made a career about it. <laughs> and, and it's just, like, I've just never understood that. But uh, even even this conversation, this this specific topic that I just brought up, isn't exactly to the point of what we're talking about um you know because it's just again like how do you do something that you like how do you talk about something that you don't do and yet we're able to do that right now like me and you we we listen to music all the time uh, Mm -hmm. and we still talk about it so there's definitely you know just this this gray area to it but i think that there is something kind of that we're not like poking at yet with this conversation within this because i i I guess the question that comes to my mind is you know like do you think that there is um more value in sort of knowing music and being a critic or just being a critic because i you know my my instinctual reaction is that I think the important thing is that you are coming to it, uh, coming to your opinion from your own free will, as opposed to some uh, background. Yeah, I mean, I. I mean, this is going to sound like a cell phone because I fit in this <laughs> fit in this category, but like, I think if you can, there's nothing wrong with being a new musician who can't, you know, can't really talk about music, can't write about music yeah. as eloquently as a. A critic is nothing wrong with a critic who can't write, but kind of. Uh, I, I just think it's important. It's important to not pull, the, you know, be the Jerry Saltzes of the world who think that critic is a higher criticism is a higher art. Thing. Yeah, like, fuck, fuck that. No, but I think being like being able to do both. There's there's kind of there's some beauty to that. I mean, I, I go to, um, and it's I think there's beauty to that both just from a talent perspective because it requires different skill sets to be able to write. First, you know, as well as as to you know, to write different mediums. You know, if you, you're a talented, um, and I'm going to use John Darnielle as an example. I mean, I uh, next up on my list to read after I finish my current book is uh, his second novel. Um, but the first one I read, well, Wolf and White Van, was excellent. It was his debut novel, and I, I appreciate that he has, um, you know, he has multi, he's multi talented in that way. But specific about music. Um, I don't think he writes long form reviews, but he, he tweets and he'll you know post on Facebook about different albums he likes, and he clearly he can give really short synopsises about different albums he enjoys. And what's even better is he has incredibly diverse tastes. Uh, like I think he he tweeted when the new Ulcerate album came out and was like really hyped on it. Seriously, yeah, he has incredibly like he when he performed on um uh this was back you know, pre COVID he performed on. Uh, whichever one of the late night shows that uh, Stephen Colbert hosts right now. Yeah, isn't um, that uh, late night? I forget. They all like one's late night, the late whatever. Yeah, the, um, the, they're all yeah. Yeah, but he he wore. I think it was that performance. He was wearing an Inter Armour shirt. Uh, you know, like the kind oh, of those, that. That's funny. Yeah, yes. like he. It's always interesting to me when artists totally, and to me that kind of that made me appreciate appreciate him more and maybe more interested in checking out some of the stuff. Uh, I think it was last year he posted his his top album. Like in twenty twenty, he posted a top top albums for twenty nineteen, and it was incredibly diverse. And it, it made me want to check out. Uh, I think I did check out some of the albums that I hadn't given enough of a chance or hadn't spun. Um, so I think when you're able to write music uh, that people enjoy, and you're also able to articulate why you like other types of music, or um, even when he did his he did a, a a virtual you know from home edition of What's in My Bag, and clearly he was. Um, like some people in that series will just be like, I don't know, I think it's cool, man. Cool riffs, whatever. Yeah. But like when you get people who actually will talk of like really dive deep into the history of the artist, why they like them, you know, which is what Darnell did. Uh, I, I think there's some value in that to be able to articulate why you like music and also be able to be pretty damn good at yeah. making it. So I think that's that's the platonic ideal of of music criticism slash music creation. Um, 
But again, yeah. they both require require kind of specific skill sets, and someone might not be good might be good at one, but not the other. Uh, and yeah, there's nothing I, wrong with that. But I, I, again, I think the last thing I'll say is it's it's about how you 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 view it. Like I, I think. I understand if you're an artist who you, you you don't really like your music being criticized, but if it's a fair criticism that's you know written, not in like a just a really incendiary way, like a you know zero stars, this is like drivel, then okay, but like not being able to take criticism like everyone does, no matter what your job is, I think that's not great. But also being a critic that thinks way too highly of your opinion and thinks you know it's even above the art you're talking about. Also not great. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, I, I, I think uh, to kind of close this conversation out a little bit, um, I, I really suggest that critics. You know, I, I think, I, I, I think the maybe the takeaway from this is that um, our own personal views on things are never solid, uh, as much as we want to think they are. In uh, that there's what it means that there's always room to grow and kind of expand your knowledge and your opinion on something and kind of watch that change. Because I mean, I I cannot even list the amount of music that I initially hated when I first listened to it, and now I like just consider it one of my favorite albums just ever. You know, I mean, off the top of my head, first Bad Brains album, fucking hated it when I first listened to it. Um, I probably know every single second of that album because I've listened to it so many times now. You know, uh, I, I, I guess it's just the point. It's like, you know, if, if you're a critic, maybe think about, you know, I, I don't know, just trying to make your own music, kind of put yourself in the in those shoes more. And I think musicians maybe, instead of scoffing at what a critic's going to say, maybe kind of try to put yourself in their shoes as well. I don't know. Uh, you know, just kind of a thought because I, I, I think that, you know, I, I mean, even within the context of this conversation, I found my own opinion changed a lot because I, you know, before this, I, I've always kind of had an issue with critics. And, you know, again, thinking about our own roles in this podcast has been is is difficult sometimes because it just seems like, you know, I think be, be, pre this conversation that we kind of fulfill a role that doesn't really need to be fulfilled in a way. Um, and I think, I think I'm wrong in that. I, I, I know I'm wrong because I think, you know, I, I, I was looking at it completely wrong just in that, like, you know, it, maybe it's not about a role to fulfill, but merely, um, some uh, kind of like something to do in a way, you know, something to express, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think it's definitely there's a, there's a there's always that a, a tough dynamic between those sides. You know, everyone thinks their opinion matters more, especially when you're talking about um, like the high stake worlds of you know like fine art, especially when you get to the, like the New Yorker level, like the type of music that oh yeah they will. I mean, it's it's kind of like a pissing contest. Like you can totally totally tell when someone writes for those kind of magazines um or you could totally you could you you know the new yorker voice and i I, think kind of... I i just i whenever somebody brings up the new yorker i think about uh that episode of family guy where brian contributes to new yorker yeah for like it, a hot it's second. Like, it's like oh that's brian that's brown. so funny wait wait we, we shall put it in a cartoon or as we at the new yorker call it an illustrated laughing square <laughs> <laughs> oh man um, but but I, I think not to kind of play for, you know pitch too hard for the home team but yeah um, I do I do think that there's some there is value in public discourse and in a way yeah. I mean that, that's why I thought that video that Fantano made was was such a, a great one where he talked about um, you know yeah I'm a regular guy like you know he here's here's where I've been published here's the people I've, I've talked to here's the, here's kind of what I've done this is why I, I think I have credibility ultimately i'm just i'm sharing my opinion and enough people like the way that i present it and find value in my perspective that i've kind of become who i am but ultimately it's up to you to um, you know, determine things th that's kind of why i like um uh adam from uh your mu your movie sucks 
actually because he kind of exudes that kind of like everyman persona in a way that it's just like he's like he it, but it, it's just funny because like he's very knowledgeable uh about film but at the same time he's just a normal weirdo like the rest of us <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and I, I think there's something to be said about um I think that there are some, especially. I mean, I know this is this kind of makes sense based on my own uh, taste, but I think the metal writers for Pitchfork are really good. Just good writers. The way they they write is a little bit more down to earth than some of the other um, genres. <coughs> Indie genre. rock. Yeah. Well, there you there you go. Um, but <laughs> I, I think some not taking it back. In some cases, and, and again, we've talked before that like artists artists obviously have total control. They they should. Never feel the need to do anything they don't want to do that you know hampers their creativity or whatever creative vision they want to want. But I think there's something to be said about you know look looking for feedback, especially when like I'm thinking of someone like Eminem, who clearly at this point in his career is a hundred percent surrounded by yes men. And, yeah. And if you know, obviously not that he would ever listen to critics in the public, but. Um, it's kind of hard to argue with some of the reviews, like negative reviews that have been posted. Uh, there's a guy I watch called The Rap Critic, who every year he does his, you know, his top top ten favorite lyrics, top ten worst lyrics. And uh, man, Eminem popped up pretty low on the list. Uh, his most recent release was was quite quite bad. Some of the bars, um, and I think you know, kind of closer to home in, in the metal world. Uh, the way Ackerfeld has has been writing off some of the criticism of New Opeth and you know just the, his kind of cavalier approach to it, um, mm. I don't know. I think it's 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 interesting, and I never want to tell an artist what to consider. But uh, for me personally, I just I think there's some uh, I think there's some value in just having open discourse and open consideration and not being totally totally closed off. Yeah, I I, I, I guess side. I guess that if, if there's any takeaway from this episode, it's to try to kind of loosen and like jostle around your own, uh, you know, ingrained thoughts and opinions on something, uh, especially when it comes to music, because, you know, I think like any art, it's just very fluid and always like kind of in a perpetual state of like to be determined almost. Um, yeah. You yeah. know, I, the, the, that whole Ackerfeld conversation always always gets me thinking too because like it's just it's it's difficult to be an artist you know in so many ways but in this way in particular that you know it's very hard to kind of balance that you know sort of go your own way follow your own path or you know listen to the people what people are telling you and you know kind of with that you know kind of you know um, think about whether is my art fine or is it garbage? You know, like, do I listen to the critics or do I listen to myself? <laughs> yeah, and obviously it's important to to to, to be happy with, with what you're producing. Mm. Um, and obviously I don't think Akerfeld should change or anything. I think I was more rubbed by rubbed the wrong way the way he, he talked about it. And in some ways this might feed into, you know, talking about your art is different from writing about art from a you know, kind of modern perspective in the way most people understand the genre. Like, I think, I forget what the, it was a prominent metal publication he was talking to, and he said some of the effect of, like, I don't understand when people say that, like, the new stuff is in metal. Like, when I think of metal, I think of, and he lists stuff like Deep Purple and, like, Blue. He lists, like, a bunch of, like, OG, like, hard rock, yeah. rock, metal. And he's like, that's metal. I'm like, but you, you very much know what people are talking about. Like, you, you of all people. Too. Yeah, like, e- either you're, you're, like, really really like just really out of touch really disconnected or like you just are you know pulling people's chain or whatever because when most people think about metal or when they're talking about opeth not being metal it's the extreme elements and like that's obviously pretty well it's obviously kind of obvious to me but something i've always noticed is like whenever whenever i've watched like uh what's in your bag with a prominent like metal musician uh they're always like like everything in their bag is usually not uh, you know, metal that they play. Yeah. You know, like uh, Nurgle from Behemoth is a good example that, like, I, you know, or, like, just, like, any, like, death metal legend will just, like, 
they're, they're going to pull out like you know Deep Purple or something like that. They, they're going to pull out Iron Maiden and Judas Priest and Metallica, maybe even. You know, they, they, they're not going to like be like, oh yeah, uh, like I fucking love Behemoth. Like it, it, like they might, but like there's a better chance of like having that, having those older bands, uh, which I just find really interesting. Because um, you, you would think that I don't know, like, like maybe that you would be inspired by your contemporaries more uh but i mean i i guess you gotta get to that place in the first place so i don't know yeah um, I, I i always do find that interesting how there are some artists who uh like they wear um Tre- uh, trevor cernat from black Dye murder he always mm-hmm. is he's super plugged into the modern death metal scene like you know whatever yeah you know, like like every album cycle when they do promo sh- promo shoots he's always you know sometimes you'll see him and his bandmates in like older you know like a morbid angel shirt or whatever but oftentimes he's wearing like a you know contemporary you know like a contemporary death metal band like one of their peers or, or even someone who's up and coming and then mm-hmm. other metal artists who like that's a great example with what's in my bag is that they buy just exclusively just old metal stuff uh which i always find a little weird because i'm like if if Maybe it's just in different moves they lost it, but it, it, I feel like sometimes I'm like, wouldn't you have that? Like, I feel like, well, maybe it's like talking about your work. Like, you know, like some people don't want to talk about their work in a way. You well, know? I just mean like, wouldn't you like when they pull it? Like, man, I used to listen to Paranoid so much when I was a kid, and they have a vinyl copy. I'm like, don't, wouldn't you already own a vinyl copy? Yeah, I. Or, like, you know, talk about I I've always wondered that. Like, they, they, there are some albums that they talk about that, like, you just you know that they already own a copy of it, so it's like, why? Why are you talking about it here? Almost like Maybe is it supposed about, to be like, about like what you're buying at this moment? Or yeah, I mean, and sometimes they'll explain it that they, I don't, I don't know, like they they got rid of their vinyl collection at one point and, and now they're restocking. Um, yeah, but yeah, that that I always thought that was yeah. interesting. So I, I mean, I I think this conversation as a whole is is starting to kind of wind down. Um, so. I think if unless you have any final words, uh, are you ready to talk about albums of the week? Yeah, I always like these open-ended topics because you think that it's going to be a short episode when we're talking about one thing, but then we just oh yeah, just... like I we were at like twelve minutes, and I was like, I, are we going to be able to make this? Like yeah, and then, actually, and then here we are. <laughs> I had the same th- around the twenty minute mark. I was like, oh man, I don't know if we're going to do it, and then it just you know yeah, like you <laughs> somehow <said, here> <laughs> think um, I can. I think I can. <laughs> But uh, yeah, who's 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 going first? You go first. I want to hear about this album that you bought. Uh, I had a few to choose from because I, uh, true to my word, uh, one of my I think I mentioned this in our um, um, CD buy. No, why why is my brain short circuiting? <laughs> um, musical resolutions. Like that, oh. this is something I meant. Something I, I've been trying to do every year is just. Just go for it. You know, artists that on my lazy list that I'm, you know, as I call it, that like, oh, I need to check them out and then I never do. Uh, so I went to Newbury Comics the other day. I think I was doing errands in Manchester and I stopped in. And there was an artist that I wanted to listen to or wanted to really get into for a while. Not that I haven't heard them before. And I think they had three of their six albums really, really cheap. I'm trying to count. I have it on my shelf. Um, and I was like, hey, why not? Three, like three or four. And... I checked on Bull Moose that night, and they had the rest of their stuff even cheaper. And I was like, "Well, fuck it, let me just." So, in a matter of a, you know a week, I I went from having none of their albums to all their studio albums. <laughs> um, and it's just, I don't know why it took me so long because this is just really fun. Like when I think of just listening to great riff-oriented rock music, I don't know why I didn't buy one of their albums more recently. Uh, and I'm just going to pick the album that has probably my favorite song of theirs. And it is the White Stripes. Get behind oh, me, Satan. Really? Uh, I whoa. I just something about Blue Orchid. It's just like oh, like every time it comes on, it hypes me the fuck up. This this it, is very surprising because I, I I I specifically remember you not being a Jack White fan in the past. Uh, I think, and again, this is part of, like, there's different reasons that people get on my lazy list. Either it's just, I like them, but, you know, just, I forget about them, or I think I think I like their music, but their persona, the way people talk about them. Uh, I don't even, I don't even know if Jack White specifically said anything that 
has made him kind of unappealing to me. I mean, I, I don't know. He, but. He's always been, I, I think what was personally rankled me with him is, is his insistence on like analog recording and things like that. Yeah. Um, which is like, just <laughs> like, I, I, I get the appeal of it, but also you, you, you live in the present day. Um, so, but anyway, we're, we're talking about you. We're talking about you and the white stripes. Yeah, and I think it was just the way people talked about it, like the new Vanguard for rock. Something about that just kind of turned me off. But mm. man, the, the the riffs he writes, I love the, I love his guitar tone. Uh, he, he writes some great songs. And, and oh so my god, yeah, like uh, blue, you know, Blue Orchid, My Doorbell, you know, Seven Nation Army. But then some of the deeper cuts on Dude, uh, Ball and albums. Biscuit off of Elephant is like yeah. one of my favorite White Stripes songs like ever. I almost picked Elephant as my album of the week, but I just I, I love Blue Orchid. Just you know, love that I, song. It's funny. I I think I sold all my White Stripe albums like a long time ago, uh, and I've always thought about getting them back. Except, well, probably only Elephant. Um, to me, to be honest, may, maybe White Blood Cells and like maybe Distill, but uh, mostly just Elephant. They were all really like really cheap. I think the most expensive of the bunch was maybe five or six bucks. Like, yeah, I mean, they were all used. So like I just it was kind of a no brainer to be like you know what let's just let's just go for it. Um, what, but I think which one did you buy first or like what uh, which three did you buy first? Um, at Newbury, I bought White Blood Cells, Elephant, and. Icky Thump? Icky Thump, yeah. And nice. Then, and then on Bogos, when I got home, I bought the They Still. Forest. Um, Get Behind Me, Satan. Yeah. And Self-titled. Then, and then White Blood Cells, yeah. So, yeah. so I, I think that was the split. But in any, in any case, I was I was pretty stoked. I definitely, I remember what got me especially stoked was Elephant. Because I, I put it on when I got back in the car. And just Seven Nation Army, I was like, oh, yeah. man. Uh, but I think the last thing I'll say is um, I tried to get into Black Keys a while ago, and the album I bought, I forget which one it was. Was it, was it El Camino? I think it was Magic Potion. It was one okay. of their earlier albums, and the lack of bass was really, really noticeable. And uh, I don't I don't think there's... Do they record bass for the album, or is it... You know, is Jack Wade just do guitar? I don't know. I... It's the because like in Seven Nation Army that that sounds like a bass. It like, does, but I think on the music video you see him playing. I don't know if it's just like the. I mean, the, the thing is, you you can play that riff on like literally any string of a guitar. So yeah, so like, I think it may, maybe just like he like hits an effect pedal and, and it tunes tones it down or whatever. But I think yeah. the important thing is obviously they're known as a guitar and drum duo, and you don't like I, no point did I miss the bass, and it's just it's. It's something that, like, the other notable guitar and drum duo being the Black Keys, where it was incredibly noticeable there was no bass. So that was kind of a pleasant surprise, because I was curious about that, listening to the full album. was like, are there going to be moments where I'm like, man, there just feels like there's not enough low end? Uh, nope, not at all. Really, really great bluesy, yeah. bluesy riffs. I, I think that, that comes from Jack White, I think, you know, wanting to have, you know, like, I, I think having some ear for production, I yeah. guess. For sure. Um, I mean, I mean, all these albums sounded great. I I would I really recommend checking out uh, Jack White's uh, solo albums, by the way, or at least his first two. Um, I have never been able to get through his third, frankly, but uh, the first two are really, really good. And there's a there's a track off the second one called I think it's like um, Black Bubblegum or like like or, no no that, that's a Dillinger song. Um, I was gonna say uh, wow. It, it's, it's it's like that. It's called like bubblegum bats, or you know, it's it's something like that. Yeah. And it's super super good. But the, yeah, there's some really great, just Jack White tracks in general. Um, oh, I think sixteen saltines. I want to say, is is on his first album. I yeah, it's I used I used to really like uh, White Stripes and Jack White. Um, I, I don't know why I sold them. Uh, I I think it's because like. When you, um, I, I don't know if you've noticed this, that like White Stripes albums tend to like kind of sag in the middle at times. Yeah. Uh, you I'm know, I'm surprised I, at how long some of them were. Yeah. The, that's what I mean is, is like they're really long and like you primarily know White Stripes as like this, you know, like you, you know them from like Seven Nation Army, you know them for like these like really awesome rocking moments, but they have an equal amount of very like very slow and like 
more acoustic, you know, tracks. Um, and I've, you know, historically uh, not always been a big fan of that. So I think I just tend to sell them, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though I, I think if I listen to them now, I would enjoy them a lot more. So, um, yeah. No, it's interesting. I, I, I honestly did not expect this. I, I was kind of hoping that you would say Queens of the Stone Age, but um, I, no, I, I'll, it is, it's, it's I'll hold my breath. Based on our conversation, I do need to, I do need to buy their albums. We were talking about how um, I have one Quasimodo album that I think is okay, but it's not my favorite. But it's the only Q album I have, and my wife bought me these little. A divider cards for the like the alphabet for my CDs, and just it, like it, mentally, it really bothers me that I would have just like like, like there's nothing a, more a blank queue. Yeah, there's nothing more disappointing when you are looking for a certain artist and like it's just a like a, a fixed like at Newbury or like at a CD store, and it's a stack of those dividers, and you mm. see that they have the divider, but you're like, oh, they don't have any albums for them. Though. Yeah. So like it's it's kind of like this. It, it would almost be better if there was no divider because then you're like, oh. So they, just they just don't have them. That's okay. oh yeah, I forgot. Uh, what is it? I, uh, P.S. P.R. Right? That, that that that's how it goes. What what what's a Q? <laughs> <laughs> um, I I will just say uh, Queensrÿche, Queen, and Queens of the Stone Age, all could fit very very well in that section. Hint hint. Um. <laughs> a lot of a lot of I, I'm sensing a theme. It's all yes. queens. Uh, all queens. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Those are all artists I should have albums from. So, uh, Dude, maybe, Operation maybe... Mindcrime is like the only Queen Strike album you need, but it is such a great album. I'm going to mm. go, I'm just going to go straight to Q next time we, uh, <laughs> next time we go to the store. Yeah. Do it up, man. Um, okay. So I guess, I guess it's time to talk about my album of the week. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so I was actually going to talk about, uh, I, I ended up buying, uh, that Salt and Peppa album that <laughs> I wanted okay. to get. Um, but I actually just randomly turned something on this morning. Just like, I, I didn't, I, I thought I was just going to like check it out for a couple minutes and then kind of just put on my list to, li- to like listen to later. But it was really interesting. Um, and it is, um, it's called Another Life by the, the artist name is, uh, Amnesia Scanner. Um, they're kind of like this deconstructed club type of group duo, um, it is really bizarre at times, like like a lot of distortion in places, some really just odd sounds being used. And like there are some tracks that are just almost verge more on like sound collage than they do as like like a dance track. But then there are other ones that have like these insane grooves to them mm-hmm. and just like these awesome moments that you just kind of like are just like earwormy, like you, you're just waiting for those like little hits to kind of show up. Um, yeah, it, it was a great album. I, I was just really blown away by it. Um, yeah, just, I, it, it's just funny that it was just like, you know, thought I might just put this on. <laughs> I, I've like, I've known about these guys for a while and I've wanted to listen to them for a while. And I, I think I have, but I've never been like, it never like clicked and now it just clicked. So there we go. <laughs> nice. That sounds great. I mean, it's, it's interesting to me how... It, the de- de- deconstructed club trend, in some ways for me at least, came out of nowhere. But it's, uh, it, it's it, such it, a... if if you want an overview for deconstructed club, think about one hundred Gex, but it's actually good. <laughs> I I my favorite quote about hundred Gex is I didn't get bullied for listening to Broken Side in high school for hundred <laughs> Gex to be so acclaimed now. <laughs> That's one of my favorite comments I've seen about music in recent years. Um, I, I mean, the, the thing is, like, I, I I can see where the hype is coming from now, in a way, because like, but but the thing is, like, all they're doing is doing what all these deconstructed club artists are doing and have been doing since like 2010. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think for me, it's kind of you know where I've grown with the new with you know liturgy's new direction is I felt like uh, Hunter Hunter Hendrix really took liturgy's sound and focused it and i think that's 100 gex problem is that it's just you know liturgy used to be all ambition but like no like the the cutting room floor did not exist i feel like if 100 gex like if they had 
two or three fewer ideas per song, and they just focused on but the ideas that see, are actually like, good. If you ever listen to the track Money Machine, there's only one idea in that entire song, and it's not a good one. <laughs> to be fair, I listened to part of one album because I just, I was, it's one of those albums that I knew, I, I don't want to, like, at this point, it's the sunk cost fallacy. Like, I'm not going to gain anything from yeah. finishing this album. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're, we're not here to shit on Hunter Gex. Uh, we, I, I do. We should do a redemption at maybe at some point. I would like to talk about it more critically because I, yeah, it's it, it's one of the few really hyped for because it, it got much more acclaim than I thought it was going to get. Like I yeah. knew there was some buzz about it, but it was really popular amongst people. I would not expect it's, it to be popular. It, it, it's a bizarre like rollout in just yeah. every conceivable fashion. So um, to to that extent, I would be I would be interested in talking about it critically yeah. at some point and trying to like actually rather than just giving it a cursory half listen, be like okay, let me try to let me try to see where I stand on this, and if it's anything but this is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll we'll put a pin in that, and uh, until next week, thanks for listening. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, guys. And uh, if you're interested, uh, you know, if you want to hear more, just, you know, listen to us on uh, iTunes, Pod, Apple Podcasts, Android Podcasts, anywhere you can get a podcast, basically. Uh, we're on all of it. Uh, if you follow us on Anchor, too, you know, whatever works for you. And uh, definitely be sure to follow us on Twitter. And if you ever have any suggestions, topics you want us to talk about or questions, anything like that. Uh, be sure to email us. Yeah, uh, we're at, at Seishira Podcast on Twitter, and our email, I think, is Seishira Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, as always, thanks for listening. Yeah, appreciate it a lot. Bye.